listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Moscow Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hey, we're starting a new series today. I'm excited about it. Um, we are going to take the next 17 weeks to live in this series. I believe in it enough to give us a really substantial chunk of our year geared in this direction, okay? And um, it's all built around this idea of shaping faith. And I, and I want to... Um, preface this by giving us a kind of a, a mental image that we can wrap our brains around because we all did our resolutions about a month ago and we bailed out on them about 28 days ago and that, uh, that's kind of how that goes. I mean, I get it, I get it. But you, you bought your gym membership, right, that you've used twice in the last 30 days. That's, you bought that and then um, the, it's hard to, to think about really taking seriously what it means to get in shape. And for most of us, the reason is because we don't have a plan. Like you walk in, you buy your gym membership and then you walk in the gym and you're like, okay, all, I have every machine I need here to get me in shape. And that's 100% true. Every machine there, but I don't know how to use any of them, right? And so I watch what somebody's doing on a machine and I'm like, okay, I'll go mimic that, but I have no idea what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, and so we just wind up moving weight around and with no purpose. And so it winds up being this really bad deal because we don't have a plan and we don't understand what we're doing, how we work, how, what kind of exercises work together to produce the maximum result. So for a lot of us, it's like we're doing this with a weight going, why isn't my calf getting bigger? <laughs> right? That, I mean, that's, that's or, or we'll go work out... And then go jump on the scale. Did it work? Did I make it? Can, do I have to not, can I not lift anymore? Because like, we're using it as a means to an end, not as a way to be physically healthy. Just physically healthy. So I want to take that same kind of idea and apply it in the spiritual world. We're going to work for the next 17 weeks on developing a plan for spiritual fitness. Okay, we're going to get spiritually fit this year. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at our spiritual disciplines. What are they? How do we use them? Why are they there? And what happens when we work them properly in combination? Like what is it supposed to produce in us? So that we can understand these things more thoroughly. I want to throw some scripture at you this morning. Proverbs 14, 22. Those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. So the important thing is that when we have a good plan, it produces certain kinds of things in our life. And that's a good, that's a good thing. Next one, Proverbs 15, 22. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So if you're going to, you know this, if you're going to work out your plan, you've got to have accountability. One of the best ways for you to keep your New Year's resolution is to tell somebody about it and say, you need to help me do this, or we need to do this together. Um, we're going to, my wife and I are doing this, um, we're doing it together, and we're doing really good. We're doing really good because we're doing it together. We're exercising and eating right, and we're doing it really good because we have accountability. Like, we have a plan, and we're executing the plan, and it works. I'm half the man I used to be. No, I'm about, I'm about 98% the man I used to be, but I'm not as much as I used to be. That's important. All right, Proverbs 16, 9. In, our, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but it's the Lord that establishes their steps. What I want to make sure that we understand is God has these disciplines there for us so that they'll function in a certain kind of way. And that's really significant for us so that once we understand them, we can use them the way God intended for them to be used. 
Okay, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going I'm to give you the whole shoot and match today. And you're probably going to feel overwhelmed by it today. That's okay. Don't freak out. We're going to take each of the individual parts and we're going to pull them apart each week. So you'll know exactly what that piece is and how it functions, okay? So for the next 17 weeks, we're going to do this. And we're really going to grapple with how these things all work together. So I want to show you... Um, the, the fundamental piece to this, and it's really simple, there's only three shapes you got to worry about. Like, is that overwhelming? It will be. I'm geeking out on right now. Like, this is me being a geek. It's a Christian, I'm a Christian life nerd, all right? Um, there's the square, there's the circle, and there's the triangle. If you look at your notes, that's... You can see that, right? And I gave you that so that you can fill it in. As we fill it in, you can fill it all in. Now, never fear because I do that to people all the time. Because um, what I want to make sure that you understand is at the end, we're going to give you an all filled out copy. So if you're like, oh, I missed that part or I didn't have room to write all that down, that's okay. Never fear. It's okay. We'll give you a filled out one at the end. But um, the other thing about this is that the square has four pieces to it. So that's, this is what it's going to look like, okay? And so today, we're going to pull these out, we're going to examine them, look at kind of some hypotheses about them, and then next week we'll start with the individual pieces, okay? So let's pull, up, let's pull out and look at the square. I call this the core four. This would be what we would call the um, internal spiritual development it's a focus on the internal person. How do we do th develop the inner person, the me in the inner person, right? And that, that's really significant. There's only, there's only four practices that we've got to worry about in this. And, and this is really cool. Uh, Henry, uh, so, okay. Henry Nguyen, I, I got corrected between services and somebody said Henry Nouwen. Well, it's actually Henri Nouwen. Um, he's a, he's a, Christian philosopher. He calls these three spaces solitude, community, and service. They kind of fall around the same category, but um, this, this right here, this is about an internal focus. How do I develop the inner person, okay? Um, number one in our core four practices is text. You gotta, you've got to be invested in the word of God. You have to. You have to be invested in the word of God. It doesn't change. It's our anchor point. It's our, when, when everything else is crazy, the word of God is this unchanging anchor in our life that we can rely on, okay? Number two is prayer. Now, this is the classic because here's what happens. If you, if you come to somebody and you go, I'm discouraged, they go, well, read your Bible and pray, right? Well, maybe, I mean, maybe you could read your Bible and pray, uh, but what if we understood our disciplines so that we understood that maybe there were some other things that we could do that would actually be more beneficial for discouragement? What if that? Like, that would be good to know. It'd be like, I want to grow my pecs, so I'm going to do shoulder presses, right? Well, shoulder presses kind of work the upper pec, but they're not really, like, if you really want to grow your, if you want to have big pecs, you got to do bench press. You got to do peck flies. You got to do things that really target the pecs. Text and prayer is never going to be a bad thing. Read your Bible and pray is never going to be bad. It just is that there's some other things, some other spiritual exercises that we could do that might be way more effective. Okay. So that's what we want to mess with. Number three is worship. 
if you don't know, uh, uh-oh, did you break it? It's all right, we'll clean it up after service. Don't worry about it. Um, If you don't know, at least for me, how important I think worship is, then you've been living under a rock the last year in our church because we've really talked about it a lot um, here. And there's some reasons why, and we'll we'll expand that. Now, number four, and this is the one where you're going to get fasting. Fasting is a lost art, and I think it needs to be part of the core four for any healthy, spiritually fit person. It's just one of those things. Now, never fear. We're going to take a week to pull all these apart and understand it. So when you say fasting, I mean, I know that there's a thousand and one loopholes for fasting. um, And I know that those of you that have had an eating disorder should not fast food. You should not do that. But the problem for the rest of us is that we leverage your eating disorder to justify why I can fast my phone and not food. Because I don't want to say no to food. Food and I have a relationship. And that's the problem right? Paul says something about that. People that are foolish, that their stomach is their gods. That's the problem. So we want to deal with that because it does some things. Now the question becomes, why these four? What are they doing? And and what are they supposed to be accomplishing in my life? Okay. And I'm sprinting through this at light speed. So I know it's not going to give you every answer to every question that you have. Hang with me. We'll pull them apart. So text gives us knowledge. The word of God is there to give us knowledge. It's there to feed the the Christian brain, okay? It gives us knowledge about what God's like. It gives us knowledge about his mission for us. It gives us knowledge about stories, about how the world is supposed to function and people who followed that and how that went and people who followed that and how how that went and people who were trying to follow it and they hit some massive bumps in the road. And then here's how that went and then here's how it went when they were faithful and here's how it went when they were not faithful. And all these things, like there's, and so you could get inspired by reading one of these inspired stories, but fundamentally the word of God is there to give you knowledge. Okay. It's not wrong. It's important. Knowledge is important because it gives us boundaries. It helps us understand function. It helps us understand why things are the way they are and what God's up to in the world and how we can partner with him in that. But that's what the text is there for. Okay. Number two, prayer. Prayer is all about surrender. There's a lot of views on prayer. Again, we'll have a whole sermon on this, but prayer isn't just me going to God and offering my laundry list or things that I need God to take care of. It, that's part of it. For sure, that's part of prayer. I had an atheist friend that uh, posted a diagram a few years ago on his Facebook page that says, I pray about something that I want God to do, and it's a decision tree. So it goes out like this. It was in God's will or it was not in God's will. Then it goes down. God was going to do it anyway, God will never do it no matter how hard you pray. And then it comes back together and goes, then why pray? Right? Well, if prayer is simply me airing my laundry list to God, then that's a valid point. But it isn't that. Prayer is about me making my heart like God's heart. It's surrendering my will to God's will. So I do take my request to the Lord because he cares about them. But it's way more about me spending time with the Lord in a way that surrenders my agenda to his agenda. It's all about surrender. And a prayer life that is rooted in surrender is a vibrant prayer life. Number three, worship is all about creating intimacy. And and I know that's a weirded out word. When we're thinking about intimacy, what we're talking about is connectedness with the Lord. And for a lot of us, we don't like the word intimacy because intimacy exposes us. And so we don't like worship because it's emotional. It makes us feel vulnerable. And we feel safe when we're shut down and 
cut back and this, I can't, exp- I can't feel vulnerable like that. But that's what worship does. Worship has, creates this connectedness with the Lord that I can't find any other way. It's what worship does. The fourth one is this fasting one. Fasting develops self-control. Fasting teaches us the power of saying no. And that's really important because it kind of helps all these other things have good boundaries. Fasting teaches us that. Now, what happens, and again, there's a lot more about fasting. There's a lot more about fasting. We'll talk about it when we get there. Um, What do these things do when they're working together? What are they producing in us? Well, let's, let's look at this. So if you put text and worship together, so knowledge plus intimacy, what you get is wisdom. So if you're struggling with wisdom, read your Bible and pray may not be the best option. You're like, I really don't have, I just need, I really need the Lord's wisdom in this situation. It's complex. Maybe the text and worship is the best option. doesn't mean prayer's wrong. It just means maybe there's some things that we can do to actually bolster that more. Okay, here's another one. Text, if you took knowledge plus prayer, surrender, that equals humility. So I have knowledge, but I have, have that knowledge surrendered to God. That equals humility. And that's a good thing because it's not wrong to say read your Bible and pray. I think for the vast majority of us, we would want to read our Bible and pray because we all struggle with pride at some level. Right? Like every single one of us is going to struggle with pride at some level. And so read your Bible and pray isn't wrong. And it's easy to see why that becomes the the dominant go-to in the Christian conversation because I think pride is the dominant reality that we battle against. That whole unnecessary self-preservation piece, right? So read your Bible and pray brings about humility. Now, what about this? Knowledge plus self-control. What about text and fasting? What that does is we get an understanding of God's mission and agenda for the world and then uh, fasting gives us the self-control to actually do something about it. Make sense? Say yes at this point. Okay, because if we got a lot more to cover. What about this one? What if we take worship, intimacy, and prayer, surrender? What does that produce? Intimacy with God, a connectedness with God, and surrendering my will to his will creates trust. So if I have trust issues, maybe the thing I need to focus on is a really solid worship and prayer discipline regimen in my life. It's, it's this really critical piece, and it actually functions really, really well. Because if I have trust issues with people, it really is never about trust issues with people. It's always about being able to trust God, right? My, my trust issues are resolved here. My trust issues that show up here are resolved here. So I've got to have an intimate connectedness with God where I can surrender my will to him that develops trust. Okay, what about this one? What about worship and fasting, Intimacy, connectedness with God, and self-control. Well, that develops purity. And that's important. Purity is significant. So men, those of you that are struggling with porn in this room, maybe read your Bible and pray is not the number one option. Maybe worship and fasting is the answer to how we get ahead on that. 
Like that would be significant to know. If it, 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 what this does is, once we understand how they work together, then I can take my specific issues, and they're different. Like, people are unique. So the issues that we face in life, circumstances change and all that. The issues that we face change and shift. And, but if I understand how my spiritual fitness regimen works, then I understand what I need to be exercising in this particular context right now, which is important. What about this one? What about surrender and self-control, prayer and fasting? This helps us develop contentment. So if you're struggling with always needing more or wanting the next widget or gadget or whatever, um, and you don't, you're not content with where you are, read your Bible and pray may not be the best option. Maybe prayer and fasting is. If you have a situation going on in your life where you're no peace, you have no, no ability to find rest in the Lord, right? Prayer and fasting is a really, really good option because it creates contentment. It reminds us who our God is and gives us the self-control to choose to lean into that, okay? So let's go back and look at the diagram. So that's the square. That's the internal piece, okay? Um, we are going to now talk about the circle, the circle, I would call the external piece. So there's an internal development, and then there's an external development. The circle is all about healthy community. By the way, I just want to make reference to this. Um, no Harry Potter comments about this diagram. I've never seen an entire Harry Potter movie in my life, and everybody, I've had, I've had a lot of people be like, if you, this looks like the Harry Potter, I don't even know what it is in Harry Potter, something. Um, Something in Harry Potter. What? Don't I said don't. I say I said don't. It might, but it's not connected. It's not connected. Uh, that's okay. If you need to relate it to Harry Potter, I don't care. Just do it. Just get in the program, right? Now, this circle is all about healthy community. Okay? It's all about healthy community. How is healthy community supposed to look? One of the hard things we have about Christianity is that we're called to relationship and then not given any um, information or tools about how it's actually supposed to look. Okay? Well, I'm going to give you eight characteristics of healthy community. If you're writing in the diagram, you're going to have to write outside the triangle, and that's all right. Just draw an arrow inside to the circle. <coughs> but here's, here's how it goes. Number one, conflict. Conflict is inevitable in healthy community. Healthy community is not marked by an absence of conflict. Conflict is inevitable, okay? It is. It's there, and it's okay. Also, conflict is not negative. How we handle conflict is often negative, but conflict is not negative. It's, a, it's an inevitable reality in healthy community, so that's okay. We just have to handle it well, okay? Number two is forgiveness, Forgiveness is something that we actually have to do. It's forgiving actual people about actual things that they actually did that actually really hurt us. If we're not going to have forgiveness at the core of, health, of healthy community, it won't be healthy. Now, I know this gets twisted in a hurry and there's, you know, what about abuse? I'm not, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about healthy community. And healthy community where both sides are working towards being healthy. If you have one person trying to be healthy and the other person refuses to be healthy, then forgiveness really doesn't play out well in that. Number three, ownership. 
Every single person within that sphere of community, of relationship, has to be willing to own their part in it. As soon as somebody is unwilling to own their part, everything breaks down. And I would suggest this. In healthy community, we work really hard to own our part before we try to make the other person own theirs. Like that's, that's a function of healthy community. Ownership done well does that. Number four, healthy boundaries. Boundaries are important in healthy community. What we, what we often do is get into relationships and we're like, we love each other, and I'm, but I'm only okay if you're okay. If you have to say, you complete me. That is like, oh, it's so cute in a romance movie. That's codependency is what it is. Like that's not, that, it's true. It's true. I, have you ever noticed every romance song ever written is a stalker song? It, listen to the lyrics. It, it sounds like, oh, he's pursuing her. No, he's stalking her. It's not romantic. It's only romantic because she, she's okay with it. Right? Tony Rich Project did a song years ago. Um, Nobody knows it but me. Right? The last verse of that song went like this. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to hit the dusty road. I'm going to follow you wherever, wherever you may go. And I'm crying inside. Nobody knows it but me. Right? Yeah. Stalker song. Stalker song. Like, go back and listen to all your favorite romance songs. Stalker songs. You will never be able to listen to another romance song. Look at how I helped you today. I've set you free. Can I get a rock fist from my brothers in the house? That's funny. Uh, but pro- boundaries are appropriate in relationships. They are. In healthy relationships, it is okay to say no. It's okay to say no. Next one, number five, is priorities and time. Here's what I mean. One of the number one um, reasons why people don't get more relational with other people, and more connected in a home group, for example, one of the number one excuses that we hear about not being in a home group is this. I don't have time. I don't have time for home group. Well, here's what begins to happen. When we begin to implement the core four in our life and we start to let the Holy Spirit change our heart and we start to orient our life more around godly things and then we begin to be a part of a a godly, healthy community, what starts to happen is that our priorities shift. They change. And here's what I know about life. You will always have time for your priorities. You will always have time for your priorities. So the issue with not being in a home group, it isn't a time issue. It will never be a time issue. It's a priority issue. And we got to treat it at that level because we'll never be able to actually get at the thing that's actually keeping us from getting connected. We got to make it a priority or it won't happen. It's just like anything else, working out. If if, If working out is not a priority, guess what? You won't. No matter how much you're like, that would be a great idea. Next one, empathy. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys know this. We have a podcast that we do on our website called A Better Conversation. And it's a lot. Thank you, all the tens of people that listen. Um, 
uh, it's a lot of fun. It's been great. We did a podcast on empathy. It was one of the first ones we did. Super positive. We'll do another one when we get to this one. What we're doing with the podcast for the series, by the way, is each Wednesday, we're dropping a podcast that will be on the topic that will be talked about the following Sunday. So it'll be cool. So you'll get an introduction to it on the podcast, and then we'll do a deeper dive in the sermon. It'll be a way for you to kind of get exposed and be thinking about it and processing it as you come in here about what we're actually talking about. So that's there. That's available for you. So this next week will be prayer uh, because we're talking about prayer next week, and then there'll be the text and then worship after that. Um, And then after that is fasting. So we'll do these podcasts about all those things. But empathy is critical. And empathy, the good news about it is you don't have to be naturally empathetic to be good at empathy. It's a skill that you can learn to do. You can learn to be empathetic with people. You just have to have a heart to be able to connect with people in a good way. Okay? The next one is identity. Healthy community involves calling out people's identity. I believe that the fundamental reason for relationships with other people in the spiritual sense, spiritual relationships, is that we are here to call out what God has put in one another. That is so important for us to grapple with. We are not here to correct the path of the one who's going wrong. We are here to call out the truth of what God says they are. Think about this from a parenting perspective alone. Like, we're not here to show our kids all the wrong things that they do. We're here to celebrate and call out the thing that God put in them to make them special and unique. And it takes a, it takes a village to do that. It really does. Because as parents, we're often too emotionally invested. And so we're hurt by the thing that they do. And we're responding to the thing that they did out of the hurt that's inflicted in us. And it's great to have somebody else that's not emotionally invested step in and speak life over our kid when we can't. It's important. Healthy community calls out the identity of the members of it. Okay? The last one is emotional vocabulary. And this is so important. I I need you to hear this because people are like, emotions? I don't know if you know this, but you have them. Uh, Over 500 of them. You have, there's over 500 measured emotions. What my experience has been in in my pastoral counseling world is that people come in with about five to 10 words to describe all of them, all 500. Here's where this gets messed up. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, but if you haven't, this is important. Um, Let's say my wife and I are in an argument and I look at her and go, I'm so mad at you, right? Now, Just being human, nine times out of 10, she's not gonna respond well to that statement, (laughs) right? We just don't as humans. But beyond that, let's say it's the one time in 10 that she does respond to it. But the problem is, I go, I'm so mad at you, but I'm not actually feeling mad. What I'm feeling is inadequate and betrayed. That's what I'm actually feeling. But I say, I'm so mad at you. So she responds to mad, but she completely misses me because that's not actually what I feel. Having a good emotional vocabulary sets the other person in the relationship up for success. And refusing to develop that sets them up to fail in the relationship. Because they can't ever respond appropriately to me. Does that make sense? Like that's really important. It's really important for us to grapple with that. Okay, so that's healthy community. Let's look at the diagram again. So we have the core four, text, prayer, worship, fasting, 
Then we have our community, which is our external thing. And now I want to focus on the triangle, okay? Now the triangle, we had the, the core four is the internal. The circle is the external. The triangle is eternal. See what we did there? Corbin, our youth pastor at Pullman, came up with that. I was like, that is so Baptist of you to say that. And... <laughs> And yet, cool. It's pretty cool. Like, it really, it works. It works really well. This is the external thing. What the triangle does is specifically invites us to die to our flesh. Our flesh is this thing in us that wants us to focus on temporary carnal satisfaction. The triangle helps that die and allows us to focus on an eternal perspective. Okay? So there's three ways that this happens. Number one is a celebration of other people. You need to be good at celebrating other people. Like really good at it, at celebrating other people. Number two is generosity. You need to be good at being... Generosity, one of the reasons why it's so important is that generosity causes us to die to our temporary perspective. Because in order to truly be generous, we have to have an eternal perspective. Or we won't be. We'll try to hold as much as we can for ourselves. Number three is service. We need to be invested in serving through our energy into the lives of other people. And there's lots of ways to do that. We'll get there. Now, what happens when we put these together? Okay, here's what happens. Generosity plus service equals diligence. Diligence is one of the seven key virtues, and it combats laziness, which is one of the seven deadly sins. Diligence is important, the ability to stick to it and work hard. What about the celebration of others and service? That develops kindness, which is also one of the seven key virtues, right? It combats anger, which is one of the seven deadly sins. So if you have an anger problem, the first thing you need to do is read your Bible and pray. <laughs> you got to start working on the core four. But tandem to that, you need to start being really good at celebrating other people and serving them. Find places to serve other people and be really good at celebrating other people. What we do is often we'll serve other people, but we do it so that they feed, they stroke our ego. Oh, good job. Oh, you're so amazing. I, I mean, no, I know. Right, right? I know, I know. That's the funniest statement. No, I know. Um, my wife says that all the time. No, I know. What? Doesn't make any sense. So if you say that, stop. <laughs> I'm helping you. Because the people around you that don't say it go, what? <laughs> anyway. Uh, develops kindness, combats anger. Now, what about celebration of others and generosity? Well, that develops charity, which is also one of the seven key virtues, and it combats greed, which is one of the seven deadly sins. Right? So all these things working together in tandem helps build out a plan for spiritual fitness. And so what we're going to do over the next 17 weeks is we're going to take these out and look at them individually. What are they supposed to do? How do, we, how do we use this? How does it function? All that stuff. And we're going to understand each one of these so that at the end we can put them all back together and go, oh, man, that looks like it would be really effective. That looks like it would be really, really effective. Okay? 
Now, we're going to move towards uh, communion. And um, so those of you that are serving communion, go ahead and jump back and grab that. Start passing it out. Uh, if you're new with us, we have an open table. And what that means is that anybody who is willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is invited to partake. But we want you to hold the elements till the end, and we'll take them all together. While they're passing that out, uh, I want to help for our home group discussion this week. So here's what we, what we knew coming into this sermon. Is this is super heady, philosophy, abstract. We know that. And every once in a while, that kind of thing is necessary because when you ratchet down into the tactile stuff, you got to have the whole picture before you can get the individual parts, okay? So we knew this was going to be that way, and we were wrestling with, well, okay, well, what, what do we do with that? Well, here is the, like, absolute coolest real-life solution that we could come up with. If you are um, going to meet this week, like, if, you're, if your group meets on Sunday night, um, you're inevitably, for your group, already going to watch four hours of commercials interlaced with something else going on, right? Uh, that's okay. That's totally fine. Here's what I would get, ask you to consider. For your home group this week, maybe just have a fun night. Like, do something fun. Eat together. Eating is good. Uh, eat healthy. Uh, or um, watch a movie together or play games together. Have a, some kind of a, just have some kind of a fun night where as your group, don't not meet, but as a group, you can come together and hang out and just get to know one another and enjoy one another's company. Like this is a great week to do something like that. Rod sent out an email to all the group leaders this last week with that kind of opportunity. Now, here's what I know. Some of you, home group leaders, and some of you even home group attenders are going, my group is way too spiritual for that. <laughs> there will be no fun to be had in our group. Okay? Good news, we haven't forgotten you. Um, we will give you some questions to work through in your group this week. And, and maybe one thing that you could do is just pick some of the disciplines themselves and, and maybe practice them. Like we're going to have a night of prayer and we're going to come into our group having fasted and we're going to fast and pray. Like oh, that would be awesome. Any, any home group that wants to pray for an hour and a half over our church and over our staff and all that stuff, man, I would totally take that. That would be amazing. Um, you can pray over me. Like don't, in fact, spend an hour and a half just praying about me. If you're going to have a prayer night, you have one thing that you can pray about. No, I'm just, that was a joke. Um, maybe that, I mean, you can do that, whatever. But here's some questions that you might want to discuss for the group. Number one, as you look at this diagram, where do you think you need to focus first? Like internal, external, eternal, where is the part where you find yourself right where you're at? And it's not a right answer or a wrong answer, but right where you're at at this stage in your life, where do you find yourself needing to focus most? And how are you going to do something about it? Okay. Number two, as a group, take a look at the eight marks of healthy community. How can you purposefully engage those markers within your group? And it might be great for you to take them and as a group, just look at them. And on a scale of one to 10, how do we, how do we rank on these things? 
Like, how are we doing, group, on this stuff? And, and maybe there's some where you're like, man, we're really good at that, or some where you're like, eh, we're not so good at that. And then maybe think about this, like, could we develop a strategy to help us be more intentional about bolstering the ones that we feel like we're struggling with a, a bit? Like, that would be a great discussion for the group, right? Maybe you talk about that while you're having your meal, okay? Let, third question. What discipline in, in this intimidates you the most? Fasting! <laughs> I a lot of you guys are going to be fasting. Never, I've never really done fasting before, right? I've never really done it before. Okay. Um, then how can you intentionally put that discipline into practice so you can become more comfortable with it? Because here's the reality of life. Things that are uncomfortable, they're uncomfortable until they're not. Like the way that you develop a new skill. Like let's say you go to work and my, my mom got an iPhone. She's super uncomfortable with it, right? Super uncomfortable with it. And so we've been trying to teach her how to use it. She's going to be uncomfortable with it until she's not. It's just the way it is. You don't go, I'm com comfortable with it. I'll never do it. That, that wouldn't work. She wants to talk to her grandkids. <laughs> she she did not give two hoots about talking to me, but she wants to talk to her grandkids. That was a joke too. Um, I feel like I have to qualify that. My mom loves me a lot. Um, <laughs> she's a great mom. Uh, but those are, <coughs> those are the kind of things that um, it's uncomfortable until it isn't. So which one intimidates you the most? Maybe start with that one. Maybe the, the breakthrough that you have that you've been looking for in your life, maybe it's waiting on the other side of finding that discipline that you haven't practiced. Maybe that's where it's at. I, I don't know. But what, how can you purposefully put it into your life so that you can become comfortable with it? Whatever it is, I just want to invite you to consider the possibility that spiritual fitness is no joke. And what we see over time is this wavering of people that get caught up in things. Like the, the people who weather storms well in life are people who engage the disciplines well in their life. And on the heels of that, I love taking communion because this, this reminder of laying our agenda down, that God's agenda is more important than my own, that God's plan for my life is more important than my own plans, like that God's heart is more important than my, my heart, um, and, and my will needs to be surrendered to his will. This is what this reminds us of. It's this reminder that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. So whenever you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. The same way after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, your grace as we muddle along through our spiritual fitness plan. Um, God, I would ask that you would help us to be more resolved to try on these new things until they become habits, that you would bring around us accountability to help us stay focused, and God, that you would um, help us to uh, really take seriously what it means to be spiritually fit, because there's so many things that you want to do in this world, and if we're not um, fit enough to handle it, Satan's really good at bringing in a whole lot of distractions. Um, God, thank you for... Uh, just persistently, gently bringing us along. In your name, amen.
Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.